Welcome to With You in the NICU, a podcast for infant patients' parents and practitioners. Each episode aims to last as long as a pumping session for mom, or you could listen to several while you practice skin-to-skin with baby. With You in the NICU is produced by the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. This episode is made possible by presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. Your host for With You in the NICU is Jenna Morton, a parenting journalist and mother of two preemie boys. You are listening to With You in the NICU. I'm your host, Jenna Morton. This episode is focusing on breast milk, its importance to infants, particularly preemies, as well as some of the challenges mothers often face when it comes to feeding. To walk us through this discussion, I'm joined by Dr. Rebecca Hoban. Dr. Hoban is a neonatologist and a director of breastfeeding medicine at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What exactly does a director of breastfeeding do? So I'm the director of breastfeeding medicine for the NICU, but also for the hospital. Uh, And so what that means is that I take my clinical skills as a baby doctor, basically, as well as the skills I have as a human milk researcher, um, as well as a lactation specialist, so someone who helps moms make more milk. Um, And I work with nurses, lactation consultants, and other physicians around the hospital to make sure that we give uh, the best and uh, highest quality care we can to our breastfeeding moms to get them all of the best information and the best resources to make milk for their babies. And what drew you to this field and this specialty? So my background is that I'm a neonatologist, so I take care of babies, but uh, all neonatologists that work in academic centers do some research. Um, I have a public health background, so I did a master's in public health, and I happened to just get my first job in Chicago at a hospital that was a world leader in human milk research. So I kind of fell into the field, to be honest. Um, and then once I had my own babies uh, and experienced the challenges of both breastfeeding and pumping for them, um, the research that I had been doing on human milk became even more relevant and, and more real and uh, really got me excited about how I continue can continue to move this field forward. And since I've moved to Canada, I've been very lucky to be able to continue my research and to continue my clinical work here. So what are some of the things that you want people to keep top of mind when it comes to the importance of human milk? So I think people don't realize how amazing human milk is. Uh, I think even uh, when I was in medical school, no one really told us how, how cool it is. It just looks like kind of a, a white liquid. Maybe it's not that different than, than formula, um, but it really is. It has amazing properties that help mom and babies so much. And I think people just don't, don't know all the things that it can do. And we're continuing to learn about it. We really, until about 30 years ago, we didn't think it was much different than cow's milk. Um, and we're finding new research every day, um, even things like that human milk has live stem cells in it. Uh, is a is a brand new field, and these are stem cells that can stay in your baby's body after you breastfeed them for potentially their entire life, uh, and can uh, contribute to their long term health, which I think is just fascinating. That is. So, what what are some of those longer term implications and important reasons why we want babies, especially preemies, to have access to this milk? 
So there's a lot of reasons both for term, for term babies and a lot of more specific reasons for preterm. So for all babies, we know human milk is best. Uh, it decreases infections during childhood, things like ear infections, which can be annoying, but also more serious infections like pneumonia or gastrointestinal infections like stomach flu and respiratory infections. So things that make babies sick and also keep kids out of school. So that can be challenging for families. We know it decreases eczema and asthma, as well as even things like sudden infant death syndrome. And, it, and we know importantly that it makes basically makes babies smarter. Babies have better cognitive development and better IQ scores uh, if they get human milk. And long term, you even see things like decreased diabetes and even decreased childhood cancers and leukemia, which is pretty incredible. And those are for all babies. But for preterm babies, it does even more cool stuff. Um, in addition to all of the things I already talked about, uh, in preterm babies uh, who have um, often have a lot more illnesses than, uh, than term babies when they're first born, it really decreases something called necrotizing enterocolitis, which is a long word, but basically is a serious intestinal problem that we usually see only in premature babies that can be incredibly serious. It decreases lung problems in premature babies. It decreases something called retinopathy of prematurity, which is a serious eye problem that premature babies get eye exams to watch for. Um, and then it also improves the, the neurodevelopmental outcomes or the IQs of premature babies, who we know are more at risk of having developmental delays. Um, so it has incredible benefits um, and uh, also has benefits for, for moms as well. Um, like decreased rates of, uh, of maternal cancers and decreased rates of maternal diabetes. And you get all this for something that's basically free. It's incredible. It is very incredible to think of all that. It, it also puts a lot of pressure on mom to think that if you're having trouble producing milk, that you're, you're depriving your child of all these things. What are, what are some of the encouraging words and encouraging things that mom can do? As moms, we feel pressure about everything. We obviously want to do what's best for, for our babies. Um, but we all know that um, breastfeeding can be challenging, but pumping is really challenging. And so we know that a lot of moms who do deliver preterm babies or babies that are sick uh, have to rely on, rely on pumping. And that takes often longer to establish your milk supply or moms aren't able to get a full supply. And that's okay. I think um, in a lot of these studies, a lot of moms aren't able to um, to give exclusive breast milk, and that's that's okay. Really, any amount of breast milk really improves uh, babies' outcomes and helps moms and babies. And so, I think we have to be realistic and and help moms to uh, to to reach their goal, whatever that is. If that's just giving their baby a little bit of colostrum for a few days, you know, that's a good goal for us to have. If we can continue to help support mom and try to get a little more breast milk for, for longer or increase volumes, that's great. But we basically will we'll take whatever we can get and we have a lot of tricks to help to help moms um, if they if they do want to try to give more breast milk. Um, but we understand it's, it's it is challenging. It's not possible for all moms for medical reasons or for other reasons um, to provide exclusive milk. But that's that's okay. Any little bit does help. So I want to talk to two points there. One, how we can get those practical tips that can help mom and also what we can do for moms who maybe are having those issues. Maybe if we look first at, at those practical tips for mom who is trying to pump and is, you know, or trying to feed and is having some issues, what are some, some practical tips? I think the most important thing and that 
a lot of moms don't know uh, is that it does take a while to establish your milk supply. In term moms, it's usually a couple days for your milk to come in, but this can take a lot longer in moms that either had medical problems at delivery or who deliver premature babies. So I think a lot of times our moms get frustrated because you start to pump, you're putting all this time and energy in, and it seems like it's, you're getting nothing or you get a few drops and it's so frustrating. But the important thing is that when you're pumping, even if it seems like you're not getting anything, what you're doing is you're programming your breast. When every time you pump, even if you get a few drops or you don't get any drops, you're telling your breast, I want this milk. I want you to make milk. And your breasts are smart. They'll listen. Uh, it, it takes a while. You should be pumping every two to three hours, especially to pump as soon as possible after delivery. Um, and if you pump every few hours uh, during the day and during the night, uh, within a couple of days, you should start to see more. So don't get frustrated at the beginning. It's totally normal um, to have a very, very small amount of milk at the beginning. But in most cases, after those first couple of days, uh, your milk supply will really, uh, will really increase. But I think the most critical thing is to start pumping um, soon after delivery, ideally within six hours uh, or even better within the first hour. I know a lot of people will, you see people online and in social groups and, you know, just in conversation saying, oh, well, you know, if you, if you want your milk to come in, you need to drink more. You need to drink this special tea. You need to do this. Are there things that mom can be doing other than pumping that could potentially help? Uh, so staying hydrated is really critical. If you're going to be pumping fluid out, you have to put fluid in. Um, we always encourage moms to to try to you know be relaxed and get as much sleep as possible. That's obviously way easier said than done when you've just had a baby, especially when you if you've had a preterm baby or a baby that's that's in NICU. Um, but theoretically, trying to trying to get as much stretch as you can, trying to involve your family or your support system or the baby's father to do um, do whatever they can to help you. So if you're getting up during the night to pump, well, they can get up and they can they can clean your pump supplies afterwards. Then you can go right back to bed. Um, or if you've just breastfed your baby, they can do the changing and then uh, you can go back to bed to try to get as much rest as possible. As far as teas and herbal supplements and things like that, um, we usually don't early on uh, necessarily, uh, necessarily recommend those. Um, there's not a lot of studies or data about them, um, but a lot of moms uh, do take them and some do find them helpful. But the most important thing is frequent pumping or frequent breastfeeding early on to really um, program, program your breasts. Uh, all, the, all the herbs and supplements in the world won't increase volumes if, uh, if you're not telling your breasts that, uh, that you need that milk with pumping or breastfeeding. You mentioned before that some mothers just because of medical conditions or other situations, producing that milk is just not going to happen the way that you had hoped. Right. What, what options are there in Canada for donor milk and things like that? Donor milk is becoming uh, much more prevalent throughout the world um, as a way for us to, um, to give a safer product to babies, especially premature babies or sick babies who aren't able to get um, all of their mother's milk for one reason or another. Uh, donor milk does decrease some of the risks that we see um, with formula in preterm babies. So especially that, that necrotizing enterocolitis problem, that serious uh, intestinal problem, 
um, that is very um, related to formula use in preterm babies. And so if we can give donor milk instead of formula to that specific population, we know that that helps that. Donor milk doesn't have the other benefits that we see with mother's milk, but it's definitely um, something that we like to use as a safer substitute. We use it very commonly as a bridge as well, um, because it does take longer for um, moms who, uh, who deliver prematurely to establish um, any milk supply. And so especially those first few days um, when we would like to feed babies, we often don't have mom's milk, even if later she'll get a full supply. And so we'll use donor milk to get us through um, until we do have access to mother's milk, or in some cases, we'll use donor milk if we're not able to get mom's milk um, until baby is bigger and stronger and then is able to transition to formula. And is this something that's regulated in Canada at this point in time? So the donor milk we use in hospitals comes from uh, milk banks. So donor milk banks, um, of which there is one in Ontario and there are a few around Canada, um, are highly regulated um, in a similar way to a blood bank, for example. So the moms that uh, donate milk, uh, they're typically moms who had term babies, um, who have excess supply. We're always very jealous of those moms. I was definitely never one of those, those moms. Um, but they're screened just like you would be giving blood, so to, to make sure they don't have any infectious diseases, to make sure that they're not taking um, any medications that can pass through their breast milk, obviously to make sure they're not um, using substances that can uh, go into the breast milk or, or smoking, for example. Um, and then those moms uh, donate to the, to the milk bank. The milk is tested, again, to make sure that there's no concerns. And then it's pooled together with other mom's milk who has also been tested, pasteurized um, to make sure there's no harmful bacteria in it, um, retested to make sure again that um, nothing has slipped through, uh, and then uh, it's uh, bottled and refrozen and sent to, uh, to NICUs and hospitals uh, around the country to use for in those fragile babies. What we, what we don't use is um, informal milk sharing. You might might read about uh, online in which moms who have extra milk perhaps share milks with friends or neighbors or in some cases sell their milk online. Um, in those kind of cases we um, we really do discourage that um, just because we don't uh, we don't know the the safety um, of that or in cases when you buy it if it actually is even human milk. It's fascinating to hear just how thorough that process is of all the levels of you know, the screening and the pasteurization, and I had no idea it was that much of a system in place. Yes, the, uh, the don't, when you uh, go, I've been into the donor milk bank, uh, it's at Sinai actually, which is across the street from sick kids, and it's a very impressive facility where everything is uh, completely kind of, uh, it looks like you're walking into kind of some hermetically sealed factory. It's, uh, it's, it's very professional uh, and very, very highly regulated because we're giving this product to our most vulnerable babies. But it seems to be something that is occurring at an increasing rate in Canada. This is true and, and throughout the world as well. There are more donor milk banks being established. Uh, I think as we further recognize all the benefits of mother's milk um, and also further recognize the challenges that many um, families do face, uh, especially when they have premature sick babies of establishing a full milk supply, those two pieces of, of knowledge where um, we're trying to put more options in place uh, for, for those families. What else do you want our listeners to think about when they think about human milk and its importance for babies? 
when babies are, are born early and they might be in an incubator and attached to a lot of machines. And we hear from our moms that they feel like they're they're not able to to be, they don't feel like they're real moms yet. They're not able to do the things that they anticipated. They're not necessarily able to hold their babies all the time when they want to and change their dirty diapers and do the things that uh, that would be part of their early motherhood. To be able to to do what they can for their babies, human milk is, is one thing that we can help our moms do um, to until they're able to take their baby home, until their baby's bigger and stronger. Um, mother's milk is this miraculous substance that can help their babies in the NICU to help them get better. It works like a medicine. Um, and it's, it's really the one, the one thing that they often feel like they can kind of give back to their baby at a really critical time when they otherwise uh, feel like they can't help them a lot. And it's a really frustrating and scary time for them. Um, so to be able to give them this medicine that helps them in the NICU, but can also have benefits for their, their babies uh, as they grow into childhood and even in adulthood. It's a really amazing thing that only they can do, um, which is pretty magical. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with in terms of thinking about human milk? Again, we don't want to, uh, we want to make sure that moms don't feel, um, don't feel this pressure. Um, I think we're trying to, trying to walk that fine line between a sharing how amazing and awesome mother's own milk is um, with balancing the fact that we know moms have been through a lot, um, potentially a difficult pregnancy, a difficult delivery, and now they're, they're dealing with a, a sick baby uh, in, in the NICU or in hospital. So we will, we will take anything we can get, um, even if we know moms can't necessarily establish a full supply and that's okay. Um, but I think uh, encouraging moms to uh, reach out to get any um, any support that they can. Uh, every hospital has different different setups or different amounts of support for lactation help. But I would really encourage moms wherever they are to you know, ask to speak to their lactation consultant, ask what kind of resources they have. Uh, it's really critical to pump with a double electric pump. Not all hospitals necessarily have right away, so trying to figure out how they can get access um, to a double electric pump for their, if they do have a, a pump dependent baby is really important. There are single, uh, there are single pumps out on the market where moms pump one breast at a time. Um, and this is fine if you're, uh, if you're breastfeeding and intermittently need to pump. But if you're going to try to establish your milk supply with a pump, it's critical to, to double pump to program your breast. You're basically, Kind of fooling your breasts into thinking that you're pumping for two, that you're pumping for twins, like you're breastfeeding two babies at the same time. And since we know it takes longer to establish a milk supply with a pump, doing this double pumping right from the beginning really frequently can really help our moms establish that supply earlier and get a better supply. And I think this isn't something that everyone knows about. Even uh, in community hospitals, people don't always know that, that that's the correct pump that moms need to use from the beginning. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had never thought of that myself. I breastfed our daughter for 14 months. And then congratulations. Had, thank you. It just, it happened. There, there wasn't anything magical I did, except it just, I was one of those people who had an easy time with her. And then we had premature twins who I pumped for. And I think by default, I used an electric pump, but I, it never crossed my mind to think of it in those terms, you know, 
the benefits of pumping both breasts at the same time rather than, you know, doing one than the other or doing just one. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's really that you're, you're kind of, you're programming your breasts uh, in a different way and which is much, much different than a single pump or an especially much different than just hand expression. Yeah, that's awesome. Another thing that I would like to hear your thoughts on, because it was something that I never remember discussing at what point do you think a, a preemie is usually able to take to the breast you know that that was something we struggled with and it wasn't until after the fact that someone said to me well you know there there are certain weeks where it's still they're they're not ready for it right no that's a great question um every baby is different and obviously it depends on you know what their course has been like you know how, how uh, like what kind of medical problems or challenges they've had to deal with but babies don't start to coordinate a suck swallow and breathe process until about 32 weeks but even before that we encourage babies before that to do like non-nutritive sucking or just going to breast with kangaroo care. So, so kangaroo care is when you're skin to skin with your baby, they're on your chest and so they're, they're near the breast. Um, and even at you know, 27, 28 weeks, if babies aren't on a ventilator machine or just on a bit of CPAP, some babies are able to at least go near the nipple and start to figure out what it is, uh, even at 29, 30 weeks, babies sometimes will take a little a lick of milk off uh, off the nipple if it's offered. They're not going to be able to actually latch onto the breast, but we do encourage that non-nutritive um, sucking just or non or just non-nutritive um, time at the breast, and so, so they start to get used to that. Once they're more 32 weeks or so, if they're again not on respiratory support or breathing help, we can um, start to look for signs that they're ready to feed. So are they waking up before their, their tube feeds? Are they sucking on their hand? Are they sucking on a soother? Are they stable when they're doing that? And if they are, babies even that young can start to uh, take small, small feeds at the breast. There's no reason for babies to necessarily uh, have, have bottles in the NICU. A lot do, just logistically. Um, families aren't always able to be there. Most families will dual feed from breast or from bottle when they get home, so they want babies to be able to do both. Um, but babies should start to be able to transition to doing some feedings at breast as early as 32 to, to 33 weeks. They won't take full feeds or anything like that, but they can at least start to start to practice. It's not easy, even though breastfeeding is natural, and because of that, some people think, oh, it's natural, it's the easiest thing in the world, people have been doing it for millennia. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's easy. It can be hard for hard for moms initially. It takes a lot of work. Once you figure it out, it is so worth it. Ask for help. Uh, everyone has, has been there and gone through the same challenges. And it does get better and it does get easier. So, so worth it uh, in the end. And like you said, every drop counts. Every drop counts, yes. We, we'll take anything that we can get and even even small amounts of colostrum or small drops of milk in the baby's mouth uh, does help their immune system. Uh, and helps and helps the baby quite a bit. Mom shouldn't get frustrated. Every drop is important. That's great. Thank you so much for doing this podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. Rebecca Hoban is a neonatologist and director of breastfeeding medicine at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children. My name is Jenna Morton, and this is With You in the NICU, a podcast for pumping mothers and others. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can find more information on our website and social media accounts for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. With You in the NICU is created to keep pumping mothers and others company in and out of the NICU. It is produced for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by Jenna Morton and Tosh Taylor. 
Financial assistance is provided through education grants from presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. You can learn more about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by following them on Facebook or online at cpbf-fbpc.org.